Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, for the sake of any guests, uh, my name is Pastor Zach. I have the privilege of being uh, one of the pastors here, the pastor of Justice and Mercy. Um, and just as a reminder, I mean, just the way that uh, Justin had said it, that we are now into the third year of COVID, right? So the, the reminders of this is kind of strange, right? You're watching TV. I don't know if this happens to you. You're watching TV and, you re- and people are not wearing masks and you find it odd. Like, that's how long we've been doing this, right? But it's a reminder to us that the call for justice has been long and loud the last few years, right? COVID, I read this morning, COVID killed more people yesterday than at any point during the pandemic in the United States. Yeah. COVID killed 3,400 and change people yesterday in the country. More people than at any point during the pandemic. Okay. We are still in this, folks. We are still in this, okay? And it's reminding us that there is lots of injustice, right? Particularly among black and brown communities that has put a spotlight on our broken healthcare system, misinformation, lies that have been told about the way things work, how things go, what is going on, right? It has reminded us that our healthcare system is broken. It has reminded us that our our mental health systems are broken. As people have been dealing with trauma, Related to COVID and many other things, loss of income, loss of families, loss of certainty of the future, right? There is little to no resources that have been available. We realize that mental health clinics and hospitals have closed over many decades in the the United States and specifically in New York. Mental health has been a crisis. Gun violence, reading and listening and watching. Four police officers have been killed in the last three days in, in, in New York City. Four police officers. But on the other side of that, we have also watched as police brutality has continued around the country. Gun violence, police brutality, massive increase in homelessness. We are at the worst levels. We are at worse levels of homelessness than during the Great Depression. I think the statistics said something like, in 2000, this was 2017. If you counted every homeless person in the state of New York, it would be the third largest population base in the state, next to Albany. Racism continues. Right? We recognize that particular Asian brothers and sisters right now, but historically, as we've watched injustices, as Asian hate continues, right? there was the woman who was pushed onto the subway and killed this past week, and people being afraid to be on subways. Violence continues. Uncertainty continues. Fear continues. Struggles continues. And all this becoming more and more obvious to us because we have phones at our disposal demonstrating for us on our Facebook feeds, on the news cycles, everywhere we look that there is injustice everywhere. Broken systems, broken people, both broken situations going on all around us. It bothers us. It angers us. It annoys us. It keeps us up at night. It wakes us up in the morning. But the problem is, is that if we don't, as God's people, use God's method to address the problem, we don't get God's solutions. If we don't enter into the conversations and enter into the spaces of brokenness with God's power and God's methods, we don't get God's solutions. The problem is that we often find ourselves settling for vengeance and not justice. We want instant results, not transformation. 
We want to be right, not to be united. And so we need to listen to God's instruction as we think about what it means for us to be people of justice. People of justice. And so a couple of things we've been working through as a justice and mercy team, working through this section of scripture in Romans 12, to talk about what it means for us to be people of justice. And the thing, the refrain, and so for the, for the guys and gals that are in, are in our training on Wednesdays, this is going to be review with a bit of an expansion on what we're doing. But it's this reminder of this. This is the question we're asking ourselves repeatedly is, what kind of people do we need to become to do the kind of work that God is inviting us into? What kind of people do we need to become to do the kind of work that God is inviting us into? Or another way of thinking about this, as we think about this call to justice, to be people of justice, as we think about our opportunity to go out and to be those who demonstrate the love of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God, the power of God in our spaces. We have to recognize this is also true. God is both grieved by the hurt done to us and the hurt done by us. God is both grieved by the hurt done to us and the hurt done by us. And if we don't live with the reality of both of those things being true in the heart of God, then we miss what it means for us to be people of justice. God is bothered by the injustice that is done to us. He is bothered by the inequity and the injustice and the harm and the hurt that continues to permeate our culture, that continues to permeate our city, our world, our country, our lives. But he is also bothered by the hurt that we continue to permeate in our lives. The ways in which we don't take seriously that this cry for justice is also a call for holiness. This cry for justice is also a call for holiness. This kind of work has to flow out of a work that's happening inside of me. Inside of me. And if I don't embrace the work that God is trying to do in me, as he's inviting me to do this work through me, then I'm only doing half of the work. And so the text that we had been using, that I'm going to expand upon, that we're going to read in a second, the, word, the simple verse that comes from Romans 12, 9 says this, in the New Living Translation, it says, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. And what we're going to learn today, as we think about our text that will give us some color, some perspective on what it means to hate what is wrong and cling to what is good, we're going to see that the work of justice means being passionate about the right things. Passion for the right things. And so if you'd like to follow along, this is our text for this morning. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. This will be our text that we'll look at together. So I invite you to stand. One of our practices together is to read as we hear God's word read to us. If nothing else happens this morning, God has engaged us by the receiving of his word as it's read over us this morning. So this is Luke 18, verse 9. It says this. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. 
Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. That Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. We may be seated. The work of justice is about being passionate about the right things. Passionate about the right things. But the problem, again, as we think about that text, Romans 12, 9, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, is we often hate the wrong things. We hate the wrong things. As this text reminds us, in verse 11, it says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. Now, we would never say this, but we end up thinking this with our attitude and our actions is that we hate the other. We hate the wrong thing and that we hate the other. Because we would never say, look, I'm not a racist. I care about poor folk. I love people in recovery. But the problem is, do I find myself thinking that I'm better than other people? Do I find myself thinking that I'm better than other people, right? I'm no longer in recovery, right? right? So I'm not like those people, right? Or I'm, not, I'm at this church and I'm not in recovery, so I'm not like those people, right? right? I don't talk like that. I don't think like that. I'm not like those people, right? Who are those people, right? The minute we start to talk about those people, we are putting ourselves in the position of saying, I'm thinking I'm better than you, and before long we dismiss them, we reject them, and we hate them. We would never say we hate the other people, but we create distance and separation when we find ourselves putting ourselves above others. The justice work is learning to say that I'm not above you, I'm with you. I'm with you. Again, just understand in the notion of poverty in our country, uh, this probably needs to be updated. I think it was Bloomberg News, probably in about 2017, did a study that 65% of the U.S. population is $600 away from financial chaos. Meaning that if anyone, 65% of the U.S. population received a surprise $600 bill in the mail, financial chaos would ensue. All of us think, well, I'm not like poor folk, right? I'm not living like that. But all of us, if we got the surprise check, the surprise bill in the mail, are going to be calling in some favors. We are not unlike the poor brother and sister in the street because we are very close to being on the edge, many of us. Very close. The problem is other people. See, right, we think about the work that's happening. It's like, I'm glad I'm not like those other people. It's other people that are the problem. Right? They're the reason that this is all happening. They're the reason that the systems are broken. They're the reason that there's racism. They're the reason that there's poverty. They're the reason that there are mental health struggles. They're the reason. 
I'm glad I'm not like those other people. We hate the other. We dismiss the other. The work of justice is learning to address the ways I have put others down. I have dismissed others. I have ridiculed. I have dismissed. Seeing the wrong in me. Instead of just focusing on the problem being out there, recognizing that there are issues in here. There are issues in here. The problem is not other people. The problem is us. It's us. The ways I am sexist, the ways I am racist, the ways I continue stereotypes, the ways I have judgments of others. The work of justice is recognizing that I have to do the work internally, accept that there's change that needs to happen in me so I can be better out there. I have to address the areas that need to change. Hating the other, hating the person out there instead of hating the sin in here. Hating the other out there, hating the issue out there instead of addressing the issue in here. I have to recognize the work of justice is about being passionate for the right things. And it starts with being passionate to be changed inside to be a better me. We have to learn to detest the wrong and the evil in us. Because if not, we end up thinking that we're above others. I don't see myself clearly as one who is part of the problem. Part of the problem. The work of justice is about being passionate about the right things, but often we hate the other. We misplace our passion by hating the other. The second, though, and this is fueled by our culture, again, looking at this text and thinking about what this culture and our sin teaches us, is we are passionate about, we are, we, we are hate being wrong. Right? The work of justice recognizes that we have to learn that we don't have all the answers. I'm not always right. Look again, verse 9. Jesus opens this text to confront this specific situation and this specific mindset to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else or scorned everyone else. I'm right, you are wrong. I have all the answers, you need all the solutions, right? I am together, you are falling apart, right? We put ourselves above other. I don't like being wrong. I don't admit, I don't like admitting that I have issues, that I have things that need to get worked on. I don't like admitting that I don't know it all, that I'm not always right, that I'm not always good, that I'm not always kind. But here's the reality, as Jesus tells us at the end of this text that we'll come back to, that mindset actually blocks God's help. That mindset blocks God's help. The minute we say, I'm good, I don't need the help, I'm all, I have it together, I'm, 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 I'm good, right? It actually blocks God's help. Because God, Jesus tells at the end of the text, exalted are the humble. I come into conversations and situations and think I know everything. I've got this person figured out. I've got this situation figured out. I know how this goes. I know how this works. I've seen this before. 
We lose sight of the reality of the human experience. It's not always quite as we seem. We don't have all the facts. We don't know this person intimately. We don't know the situation like we should, but we come in and we assume that we understand. I don't like being wrong. I'm glorying in my righteousness, what I know, what I think, what I think is right and appropriate in that moment. And this hinders the work of, the ju- of justice. And as I love, one, one of my favorite quotes in this realm and understanding is how we enter into this work comes from an indigenous Australian activist and leader. Her name is Lila Watson. And I've quoted this so many times because it's so important to remember, especially in the work of justice. Because it's not me helping you, it's us helping each other. It's not, you need my help because I'm the wise sage. I have it all together. I have, it, I have all the answers that you need. Lila Watson says it this way. If you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. If you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. We are not standing above others with all the resources and all the counsel and all together and thinking, I'm the one that you need. We are standing with one another and saying, how can I learn from you? How can I stand with you? How can I learn from you so that we can help each other? One of my favorite, uh, favorite moments in this is we, on, on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday, we try and help people with the social service help desk here at the, with the breakfast. So from 9 to 10.30, if you or someone you know needs help getting a free federal cell phone, getting their, fu- their food stamps, getting social security set up, finding out more about the housing lottery, signing up for NYCHA, um, getting a resume, all those things. We have, we have volunteers on site. If any of you want to help, 9 to 10.30, every Monday, Tuesday, and Friday, we have people here. So one of the things we've been trying to do is get IDNYC for folks because that's one of the gateway entry points into getting a lot of other identification. But the only place during the pandemic, largely, this has changed recently, to get an IDNYC was at the courthouse downtown. And so the only way you could get into that building to make sure that you could get identification was you had to go through a metal detector. And a whole bunch of our homeless folks carry all their belongings with them all the time. And one of our friends came to the space, and I told him about this, and I had not thought about the reality that he was going to have to go into that space with all of his belongings to go in to try and get this IDNYC. So he came back the next day, and he was super angry at me. Because he said, I couldn't get into the space because I had to empty out my cart, I had to empty out my pockets, and it was embarrassing, and I gave up, and I left. And I told this brother, thank you for telling me. Now I understand another hurdle that makes all of this so much harder for you. And we worked together to make sure that he could leave his cart and his belongings here so we could go in that appointment the next time. If I have come saying, I'm going to help you, right? I'm going to give you the information for the ID NYC and it's going to work out and you're going to be fine. And I don't understand the hurdles or the limitations or the struggles that that person has to experience to take those steps. Then I'm not helping them. And they're not helping me to understand the struggles. It's not you need my help. 
It's our liberation is tied together. I need to understand. So we need to understand this in the work of justice. It's about understanding. I have to admit that I don't know everything. I don't see everything. I don't understand everything. I don't like being wrong, right? That's, that's one of our cultural faux pas, right? The cultural faux pas is admitting that we're wrong, right? No one wants to in public ever or in relationships admit that they're ever wrong. It's a perceived as weakness. And Jesus says the exact opposite in his kingdom. The exact opposite in his kingdom is this. It's when you admit that you're wrong that you are actually exalted. We have to move into places of understanding that I don't have all the answers. I don't always know what's right. I don't always know what to do. And so the question for us is, are there people in my life that I'm not willing to learn from? Are there people in my life that I'm not willing to learn from? You can disagree wholeheartedly about all the issues and all the concerns and all the perspectives and all the things that are going on in their life, but can I learn from that person? Yes. The answer is yes. Right? <laughs> I joke all the time um, during the breakfast, and you, you, these, you know, it's about using these simple ideas to help us understand deeper truths, right? So, I mean, I, I still, to this day, born, born, in, born in Canada, and now I'm a Brooklynite, like I've lived here long enough, this is home, right? So every, all things Brooklyn, right? It's the borough. We'll tie that conversation later. Um, but to me, to this day, the Yankees are still the evil empire. Now, you can, you can argue all you want, number of championships, blah, 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 history franchise, Babe Ruth, blah, blah, blah. You can go on and on and on. And I'll listen to you. You're not going to change my mind, right? But we can have the conversation. I might learn something new, right? Learn something new about what you think, about you know the history of the Yankees fran franchise and all that, blah, blah, blah. I'll talk to you about the injustice of their new stadium and how they use like criminals to build the stadium and like leveled you know, soccer fields for kids and never really replaced it, all that stuff. I'll, I'll talk about all that stuff. But I'll listen to you, right? I'll listen to you. But I can probably learn something from you, right? But if I'm just going to give you the stiff, right, if I'm just going to give you the Heisman Trophy every time that you try and enter into a conversation with me about something, I'm not going to learn anything. It doesn't mean I need to agree with you, but I best believe that I need to enter into that conversation ready to learn from you. This is the work of justice. The work of justice is learning. My mind is being liberated because I'm learning new things. I don't need to agree with you but I do need to learn from you. Where are the places that I lose sight of being a learner? Where do I think I have it all together are all the answers. Our culture tells us one of the worst sins is admitting you're wrong. And Jesus tells us that's where hope starts. That's where help starts. So we hate the wrong things. The work of justice is about being passionate for the right things, but we hate the wrong things. And the last one in our culture, if it's not that we hate being wrong, the second one that we don't like doing is we hate being inconvenienced, right? We hate being inconvenienced. Again, looking at this text, right? If you think about what's happening, it's the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee is like, quick bow, say a kind word, off he goes, right? It's the quick fix. I want God to just, you know, 
dust me off and send me off, right? I'm good. I just need God to co-sign my life. That's what I'm asking for. I'm good. Just co-sign my business, right? Right? I'm good. I'm good. The tax collector has a tough time getting up because he's recognizing that there's issues. There's things that have to be addressed in his life. And he realizes that there's going to need to be work to address what's happening. But we live in this instant culture. I don't like being inconvenienced or bothered. You know, I, it's, <laughs> I live downtown. What an affordable housing lottery, which has allowed me to stay here. And I see all these 15-minute grocers now popping up everywhere, right? If you've seen them everywhere. It's like literally you can have your groceries in 15 minutes. And it's killing delis around the city. Killing them. Delis all over. the mom and pop institutions that have raised up kids and families around our city are literally dying because they can't keep up with the demand of all these organic, you know, blah, 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 available in 15 minutes. Right? And we think, well, okay, it's providing more employment, blah, blah, blah. Those things will be dead and gone in five years. You know what has kept stable? You know what's kept stable our neighborhoods through AIDS, through crack epidemic, through, you know, white flight? Delis on the corner where bodega owners were willing to stand up for what's right in those moments to watch out for your kids when they're on the street corner. 15-minute guys with backpacks on their back, couldn't give a rip about your kids on the street corner. And I'm not saying that's an assessment of who they are as a person. I'm saying that's an assessment of what the structure is showing us. We want convenience, but we're selling out community for the sake of convenience. We're selling out community. I don't like being inconvenienced. The, the Pharisee thought growth was about taking five minutes for God to remind him how good he was. The tax collector labored in prayer knowing, knowing his soul needed work. The work of justice is about recognizing that God is going to inconvenience us. He's going to inconvenience us. He's going to show us things that can't be changed in a moment. That can't be changed in a moment. Right? Alex and I had this conversation. We had it yesterday. Right? In the midst of the pandemic... Our, 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 we, when we were doing groceries, historically, our population of those coming to get groceries is about 30% African American, 30% Hispanic, 30% Asian, and 10% and a bunch of other things, right? Whatever else, right? Now, it's about 70% Asian brothers and sisters. And that's across the board. You talk to other... Other grocery pantries in Fort Greene, in Gowanus, in Sunset Park, in, in, specifically in Brooklyn, because I'm trying to stay. It's all, all over Brooklyn. It's the same. Crown Heights, Bed-Stuy, it's the same, right? And so we've had to transition about the kinds of foods we want to bring in because our Asian brothers and sisters don't like black beans and, and garbanzo beans. It's just not part of their diet. It's just real, right? It's just real. But the injustice of us recognizing that what needs to change is we need to learn to be inconvenienced by going up to the food bank and saying, stop sending us stuff we don't give to our friends. The system needs to change. You want another one, right? Being inconvenienced is a long game. Some of us will know this, and I just learned this, and this goes back to the learning, okay? Social Security was set up about 50 years ago in a way that, that has planned that you cannot have more than $2,000 in the bank. And if you do, 
you start getting taxed on it and fined and all that stuff. Now, 50 years ago, $2,000 was a lot of money, right? Nowadays, that's not even a full month's rent. And prevailing wisdom tells us that you need three months' rent in your bank to be able to sustain yourself in chaos. And Social Security is telling us that you can't have more than $2,000 in the bank at any time. And so some of us, <laughs> I've had the conversation with some of you, have money under the mattress. <laughs> because you know you have to make, make that work. That's a broken system. But if I'm going to just think I'm going to pray that away, again, I'm not dismissing prayer, but we just say, pray it away, I need to act on it. I need to hold our, account, our elected officials accountable to change the game to make sure that this system is just for everybody. That's going to be inconveniencing to me. That's going to meet, require me being at public official meetings and emailing and calling my elected officials and putting in the time. Justice won't happen if we're not willing to be inconvenienced. If we're not willing to be inconvenienced. But here's the flip side of this whole argument. Okay? The work of justice is an internal and external work. So we end up hating the wrong things. I hate being inconvenienced. Right? Don't invite me into something that I can't see happen right away. Right? <laughs> Good luck with trying to help poor folk. Good luck with trying to help formerly incarcerated folk. When there's a second incarceration that prevents them from getting housing and employment and IDs and all those other things. Good luck with trying to do that in an instant. If this is God's work, we have to believe God's methods and that means I have to be willing to be inconvenienced. Not a quick prayer, down, dust me off, Jesus, send me on my way. What needs to change in me? And that's that I think it's gonna happen in a moment. But here's the flip side. There's the shadow side to this, right? And this is the temptation for me and for our church, right? This is the temptation for me and pr probably for our church. And I have this conversation all the time with our leaders, right? Because I run in circles where I meet other pastors and I watch what's happening in the city and I see the work that is happening. And if I'm honest, full transparency, I see the work that's not happening. Okay? I see churches that say they care about the poor, that say they care about injustice, and it's talk, 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 but I don't see the work. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Remember, the work of justice is learning to be passionate about the right things. The problem is we hate the right, wrong things, and we also love the wrong things. Look again at the text. Verse 12. What gives this man, this Pharisee, hope in his own mind is in verse 12. He comes before God and he says, look, I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. Look, I'm doing the work. I'm doing the work. And the problem is, we glory in the work. We glory in the work. We love our work, my work, right? I'm doing the work, right? God loves me because I'm doing the work. Right? I'm putting in the effort. I'm doing the things that are necessary. I'm, I'm doing the things that are close to the heart of God. Right? We tell ourselves all these things. Now, it's not that that's not true. But when we put our identity and our hope in those things, we become people of injustice. You know why? Because we become bitter. Because we become proud. Because we put ourselves ahead of others. 
We look down on others because they're not doing the work that we think everybody should be doing. But that might not be their calling. That might not be their work. It's such a temptation to think, but I'm doing the work. I'm doing the work, right? Look at me, God. I, I, I kneel before you. Look, I'm, I'm glorying in my work. Look, look at all the things I'm doing for you, God. Right? You must love me. You must love Recovery House. Look at all the work. Look at all the people that are coming to be helped. Right? You must love our work. And Jesus says, I don't love you because of that work. I don't love you because of that work. I love you because you trust my work. I love you because you trust my work. <laughs> Another way of saying this, and a certain percentage of the room will understand this, and this is the problem that we face as Christians today, is we, we love the wrong things, or another way of just saying this is we glory in our wokeness. We glory in our wokeness. Look, I'm woke, right? I know about injustice, right? I know about what's happening in my neighborhood. I know what the poor need. I know what struggles are going on. I know all about all these issues, and I'm glorying in my wokeness about what I know, about what I do, about what I think, about what I read, about what I say. I'm glorying in my wokeness. And Jesus is saying, we don't glory in anything in us. We glory in him. We glory in him. Because again, what the prayer of the tax collector reminds us of is constant reminder of this. We are always in need of Jesus' mercy. Always in need of his mercy. The work of justice flows out of a life that holds tightly to God's goodness, his power, his presence, his grace, his mercy. It flows out of that because when I glory in those things, that's what I want to extend. I don't want to extend many versions of myself. I want to extend more of Jesus. I don't want to extend more of my kingdom. I want to extend more of his. I don't want to extend what I think is right and good and appropriate. I want to extend more of what I know is good in the eyes of God. We acknowledge that it's God's grace, his invitation, his power, his wisdom that brings us into all of this. The reminder, we can't glory in our wokeness because anything that God has seen fit to show us has been graciously revealed. We have earned nothing. Earned nothing. And so the question again are there ministries or people that I look down on or think that I'm better than? Do I find myself thinking that I'm better than others because of the work that I'm doing? Or do I marvel at the mercy of God that he would invite a sinner like me into his work? Into his work. My, one of my favorite uh, rappers, Propaganda, um, Christian rapper, he, you know, he just talks about this idea. He says, like, you know, God see, is mysteriously inviting crooked sticks into work of making paths straight. Consistently about inviting crooked sticks in to make paths straight. I'm a crooked stick that God is continuing to refine and change. And so I don't glory in my work. I glory in his. The work of justice is an internal and an external work. But if we don't address the internal, the external is superficial. The scriptures tell us that if I, you know, in 1 Corinthians, right, I can 
do all this work. I can do all these things. I can perform miracles and serve the poor. And if it's not done in love, it's noise. It's noise. If I'm not doing the internal work of being transformed by God in the midst of this, all I'm doing is making more noise in my culture. The culture we're in right now doesn't need more noise. They need justice done God's way by people that are committed to being changed by God, under God, with God, trusting his methods so I can be a better servant, a picture of his mercy and kindness and power and grace. But lastly, I want, to, I want us to understand this, okay? Because, again, this is the beauty. This is the beauty of Recovery House. The beauty of Recovery House is this, that in the midst of this, we are doing the work being done by people that are being affected by injustice, so much of the work that happens in the city is often done by people that are separate from the experience. And the beauty of Recovery House is we have so many people in this room that have been affected, are being affected by the injustices. Homeless folks, transitional housing folks, formerly incarcerated folks, f- formerly addicted folks who are doing the work. And so this is the reminder, finally, pastorally, to encourage us with what Jesus is saying in the midst of this. Some of us in this room need to be reminded that Jesus sees your pain. Jesus sees your pain. When this text at the end of the scripture is talking about it, look, what does it say at the end of the text in verse 14, if it has it up? Look, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home, what? Justified before God. Why? Because they admitted that they were a mess. And so God wants to remind us today, he sees your pain. He sees your struggle. He sees your concern, your fears, your anxieties, your worries, your struggles. Where is my next meal going to come from? Is my job secure? Are more of my friends and loved ones going to catch COVID? Are they going to die? Am I going to be able to keep my housing? Am I going to be able to see my family? God sees all those things. I can't get access to health care because I'm out of network. And I can't get access to mental health help because my, my health care provider doesn't provide it. And I can't get housing because I can't get a voucher. I can't get, you know, I can't get the resources I need because I have a criminal history that keeps following me. I have all these things. He's aware. God sees all those things and he says when you admit I don't have the answers I don't know what to do I'm at my wits end when you say that when you admit that when you come before him God says this I will exalt you and what that really means is this I will help you I will be with you I will care for you I will lift you up I will provide for you I will pour in my love to your life. You will be justified. Meaning, you will experience the love and the freedom and the welcome and the grace and the mercy of God. So in the midst of the work of justice, which God calls us to, he doesn't miss the worker. He doesn't miss the worker. 
who admits, God, I, I am barely hanging on right now. I don't know what to do. I don't have all the answers. I can't see myself moving forward. And when we admit that, say, God, I don't know what to do, God says, I want to meet you in that. I want to help you in that. Justice is an internal and an external work. Learning to embrace God's work in us so he can more effectively work through us. And so instead of vengeance and impatience and judgment and tearing down, we give people a portrait of the love and kindness and welcome and grace of God as we accept the work he's trying to do in me. And so we close with communion. And so as you came in, you received this little cup. And the reminder for communion is this. This is about remembering that we trust in Jesus' work. This is the reminder that we trust in Jesus' work. Because Jesus gave us this reminder because we're tempted to forget. We're tempted to forget that it's God's work and we join him in it. It's God's work and he finished it. It's God's work and it's enough. And we commune together to remember this. Jesus invites everyone to the table who has come to trust in him. God doesn't love you because you read your Bible enough, because you serve enough, because you pray enough, because you say the right things, because you do the right things. Jesus tells us that love from God is given freely because we trust what God gave us. Jesus. And so the reminder for us is that we come together to remember the finished work of Jesus. And it says in 1 Corinthians... For on the night, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we invite you now to take this little wafer as a reminder of the broken body of Jesus for us. goes on to say, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. We drink this juice to remember Jesus paid it all with his blood for us. And so, God, I pray that as we're reminded today of the work of justice that you're inviting us into, that we'd embrace the change you want to bring in us. That we often hate the wrong things and love the wrong things. And it's about changing our passions, to be passionate about the right things. Your holiness, your work, your ways, your methods, your power, your mercy, your kindness. We glory in those things. We remember those things because as we do, you change us 
and then invite us to join you in the work you're doing. Help us to be people of peace, people of justice, as we join you in the work you're doing in us. We love you and thank you for all of this. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen.